fantastic. Great. Thank you. Let's yeah. go to Mr. Skin and save us. Mr. Skin, how are you, buddy? Hey, Mike. Hey, everyone. How you guys doing? <laughs> I feel I feel like this is uh, we we were first we were looking at nipples and 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 TV shots. Now we got books and movies. I mean, we're almost like uh, oh, intellectuals man. now. You know, I woke up this morning and I get a I had a text that came late last night from the West Coast, and it was Variety. Uh, Owen Gleiberman, and that's a huge, like in the movie industry, that's a huge uh, movie reviewer and a huge publication. They loved our new documentary, Skin, A History of Nudity in the Movies. And and it's like, Mike, normally I'll come on your show and be like, hey, let's talk about the top ten side bush shots or something. (laughs) And then now, now, uh, you know, I'm the executive producer of this movie, meaning like I was the person that, you know, put up the money. But um, the team we put together uh is so good and um i never i didn't even think about this when we were making the documentary that there would be movie reviews like major publications i was thinking like i didn't even think it would get reviewed we had like cnn usa today um hollywood reporter i i literally a hundred our pr people keep sending these things like the reviews have been off the charts our rotten tomato rating is in the 90s and we still don't have like all these big uh, reviewer stuff at um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes because it just came out yesterday, you know. Right. And I'm just I'm just blown away. I like had no idea that people would love this documentary so much. Oh, I I mean I, I know I'm gonna say this can sound like a joke, but I mean there's a possibility for an award nomination here with you. And, and I mean it, documentaries. It's uh, all about yeah. Hollywood loves Hollywood. Well, it's it, I don't know who knows. I mean I just not even on my radar, but. Um, yeah, like, it, the one thing was, I knew, you know, I, by the way, Mr. Skin just turned 21 last week, so that was, wow. uh, that got kind of brushed under with everything going on, but, um, you know, I've known since the day I started Mr. Skin that there had never been a documentary on this subject, and, and you guys all know, like, what are the things we talk about a lot now? It's documentaries, like, remember The Last Dance on ESPN, or I'll Be Gone in the Dark was awesome on HBO, if you haven't seen that, it was out a couple weeks ago, um, Tiger King, all that yeah. stuff, like, the, the water cooler talk, documentaries are really huge. So the timing on this, and then you factor in, we didn't plan this because we started this two years ago, but then with COVID and stuff, it's not like there's new movies coming out or, or all our favorite television shows are kind of on hold until they can start filming again. So uh, I don't know if that has something to do with it, but gosh, the interest in this documentary has been through the roof, and I can't believe it. Well, here's the thing, and you know this better than anybody. Uh, we, we love nudity. I mean, the line, I was just talking, joking about the line in the movie. They said they invented the uh, film, yep. and then 20 minutes yep. later, they figured out a way to tape naked yep. people. It's uh, true. Be- because that's what people want, but they don't want to admit it. So when you exactly. can disguise it as something artsy, like a documentary, it, it allows the regular people to go, oh, well, it's a documentary. Yeah. Well, yeah, and when you say disguise it, I got to say, in all fairness, we, right when we started this, like the whole Me Too, Harvey Weinstein stuff all kicked in, and we were like, all right, this cannot be like a boob fest, even though it, it has over 100 nude scenes. <laughs> right. In that sense, it, we're covered on the boob fest. But we, because even with your best intentions, which we had, it's really easy to fall into like exploitation. And in the mainstream documentary, you got to be really careful about that. So one of the things I'm loving about the interviews, because we interviewed like tons of critics, scholars, and film industry people, but also a lot of actors and actresses, uh, Mario Hemingway, Shannon Elizabeth, Malcolm McDowell, Eric Roberts, to name just a few. We have a ton. Yeah. Um, but we gave voice to women. There's a lot of women 
movie reviewers and critics and just industry people. We even got the uh, uh, the senior chair of the MPAA, which she was awesome for this documentary, talking about the film rating system. Rating but, but we were, but the reviews pointed out, like, how the hell were they able to to do something that's titillating and not exploitive, but has a ton of nudity, but yet you feel like you're learning something and it's not exploitive. Like that was the fine line to to do it, so that because you know people. Yeah. If, they felt like we were just like, hey, look at the tatas on her. It would it would not work. But somehow we were able to do it, and we did intend to do it. But people get it, which was the bigger uh, the bigger bridge that I was worried about. One of the things that you mentioned, Shannon Elizabeth, you interview her in the uh, thing, of course, from American Pie, and she yeah. says, "If I didn't do the nudity, I probably wouldn't have a career." And I don't think yes. that. And and really, let's think about it. She doesn't have much of a career now. And for her to... Well, she to, was on Dancing with the Stars and stuff like that. Keep yeah, in mind... That she's famous. What she has is all from American Pie. Right, totally. right. And yeah. and the thing is, is that she... she I, I, what I was going to say was is that I, I don't think too many stars want to admit that, and that's the truth. And then they try to yep. hide it, and she's like, hey, that's how I got in. And, uh, boy, she meant a lot to a lot of young young guys. Oh, my God, yeah, for sure. That's like... The, like, for you and me, like, we remember, like, Stripes and Animal House and all that stuff. But to a younger dude, like a guy in his 30s or, four, you know, maybe early maybe early 40s or something, that they are, like, American Pie's their go-to, like, movie for nudity, you know, or, or you know, one of their movies. But, yeah, I, I totally get that. But one of the things that when you watch this documentary we talk about is they had these, uh, they now have these things called intimacy coordinators on the sets of movies and uh, television, which is a big part of the me too movement where so when they're doing nude scenes now it, like if a director wants to like add another you know instead of just breasts he wants full nudity or they want to make the sex scene more graphic there's so, there's someone on the set that makes sure he stays in his lane yeah. and and also is there to kind of counsel the act uh, the it's really more the actresses but it, it's such a stark contrast to when we're talking to like Pam Greer or Linda Blair from Chained Heat or talking to Diane Franklin from Last American Virgin and what was going on in the set of those movies. And, and it, it's, in other words, it's kind of good from the standpoint of the actresses today. It's very good, actually, that they're much more empowered. They have a lot more say in what happens versus when you talk to these actresses from all these nude scenes we remember from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It was a totally different game, and, and the documentary shows that. Yeah. Did you cast a wide net of celebrities yes. for interviews yes. and just take what yes. you can get? Well, yeah, and listen, to get Mario Hemingway or to get, like, uh, we got Peter Bogdanovich, um, yeah. you know, just, you know, really big, you know, Richard Roper's in it, I, I'm a big uh, fan of his, uh, we even got Amy Heckerling, who, uh, uh, directed oh, she Bad directed Times, all those, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she was awesome to have, and, um, and uh, just, listen, did every person we asked come on no, but I'll tell you what, now that this is out there. I think the next thing we do, more people will be involved because we showed that we could do it the right way. I, you know, hopefully. I think a lot of people initially were like, you know, thinking, you know, like, yeah, forget about it. But when you see the documentary, I think they'll have a different appreciation. What? How about uh, Malcolm McDowell? I mean, that's a that guy he was. Everyone all. says he's the star. He was awesome. Uh, he, yeah. he has a whole career of of oh making movies that push movies. Yeah, yeah. push the line on nudity and, and sex oh. in movies. Well, he t well, funny, we start with, um, he did this movie in 1968 called If, which probably a lot of people wouldn't remember, but it was the first time a man 
and a woman were completely nude in a scene together. Uh, so that was part of the, that's the reason it's in the documentary. But then he talks about the Clockwork Orange stuff, which we get into. And then the highlight is him talking about Caligula, uh, which people today would never get. I mean, this is a late 70s movie that Bob Guccione from Penthouse produced, and it had John Gielgud, legendary actor, Peter O'Toole from Lawrence of Arabia, Helen Mirren, Malcolm McDowell, and it was a full-on porn movie with real sex in it. Yeah, triple X porn, about it and it's the funniest stuff people uh have hit me up and said malcolm mcdowell was so awesome in that. i yeah. i caligula had um i i would just imagine bob guccione was just snorted a mountain of cocaine and was like i'm gonna oh, get yeah. caligula oh yeah. yeah and and then they make this movie and they pay and you know he's paying he's probably got bills out the ass from it because he hired all these people and then they make this movie and of course it's not gonna have any uh, huge commercial success because of the of the rating of the triple X. But then, so when I'm a kid, I hear all the rumors. Then I go rent it from the movie shop. Oh yeah, and I take it home and I put it in. But there's none of the sex in it. Well, they would they had different versions, right? Yeah. They had different versions, and uh, you definitely want to see the uh, the X rated version because it's just so wild. It, it's it was just like a huge orgy uh, disguised as a mainstream film. You know? Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> the uh, yeah. the documentary, uh, we're talking to Mr. Skin, the documentary Skin, A History of Nudity in the Movies is available on Amazon Prime, Fandango Now, iTunes, Vudu, wherever you get your movies. And I haven't seen the whole thing yet, but I definitely want to watch it. I mean, I'm, Oh, yeah, I'm, I really hope you do because I think, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's fun. I'm, I'm very interested in early uh, nudity um, and, you know, because w- those directors who pushed the the envelope back in the, you know, when they were showing the Anne Margaret clip and, and all that yeah. other stuff. And but Marilyn Monroe, really the one that, that, that shows you that you could have made a career out of that. Yeah, we uh, we talk about that because um, one of the big things you'll see in the movie is the, the Hayes Code, which kicked in in 1934, and that was like the Catholic League of Decency in American cinema. You couldn't make movies unless it was approved by all these, you know, uptight people. So that's why from like 1934, Five to 1963, there was no nudity in American movies. And Marilyn Monroe was all set to be the first big star in 1962 with Something's Got to Give, because she filmed nude scenes for that, and it was going to be in a mainstream movie, you know, in in this time. But then, of course, she she tragically passed away. And then it was uh, Jane Mansfield who did Promises, Promises in 1963, which was the first time an American actress in a mainstream film was nude since the early 1930s. And one of the things that you'll learn in the documentary, and you probably have no idea, you think that the teens in the 1920s was like, you know, super like puritanical, you know, no nudity, but it's quite the reverse. It was a lot of debauchery and craziness. We show you how much nudity there was in silent films and even into like Hedy Lamarr in Ecstasy in 1932, completely nude, and then boom, Hayes Code, and that all went away. So uh, it's pretty cool to see that we even go all the way back to, like, Thomas Edison when they first started this motion picture, and then we show, like, these these videos of these women, like, from the 1800s, which, by uh, the way, the, yeah, nobody was getting a Brazilian back then, I'll tell you. So, yeah, it's, pretty wild. it's pretty wild to see these scenes um, uh, from that uh, time frame, too, when we start the documentary. What is the, uh, we were discussing this earlier on the show, I want to see if we're right, what is the earliest uh, nudity on, on television, like full nudity? 
you, you mean like in movies, right? No, yeah. no, no, I, on TV, on in like mainstream TV. Oh, um, gosh, I well, I'd probably say Valerie Prine and Steam Bath. Um, I don't know. Do you know the, Do you know this uh, movie that aired on public television in the seventies? Um, uh, I kind of remember yeah, it, a buzz it was about 19, it. Yeah, it was in the early seventies, and, and believe it or not, I'm old enough to remember being a little kid and my parents glued to the set watching yeah. PBS that they were going to play this. Steam Bath was originally a. a uh, Steam Bath was Bruce J. Friedman's off-Broadway play, and then they made it into a, a PBS movie. But because it was PBS public, they weren't under the you know FCC laws, and right. they actually played this. And I remember my parents tuning in for the scene with Valerie Perrine dropping her towel six minutes into this movie. So that would probably, for, as far as television's concerned, be one of the very, very early nude scenes uh, that you would have saw. We we were uh, saying as far as reg- regular nudity that uh, NYPD Blue was for Sipowitz and all that was that really the oh, yeah, first well, or are we missing something? Well, it wasn't the it, it wasn't the first. Um, yeah, it was. Listen, I'll tell you what, Charlotte Ross, um, who I can't remember what her name was, but in the um, it, I think it was like in the tenth season. It was like two thousand and three. She did a nude scene. It was right around the time Janet Jackson did her thing in the Super Bowl. She did a nude scene that was like an R. Literally, if you stumbled upon it, you thought you were watching an R-rated movie. This was on ABC, primetime NYPD Blue, where she's in Sipowitz's apartment, and she strips down to take a shower. It is like you can't believe that this aired. And then Janet Jackson happened, and then it was shut down time and uh, yeah. only on like HBO and Showtime and Cinemax. So yeah, that yeah, it, uh, NYPD Blue was like groundbreaking when it came to nudity on television. Well, yeah, we were just talking about uh, not only have movies have come so far and how much nudity you could see in movies, but really how much uh, how far TV from Dream On to all the way to mainstream. Oh, remember TV Dream now. On? Yeah. Oh yeah. Dream On, awesome. Well, I, I listen. You people who are sitting home and bitching about being stuck in your house and looking for things, so every once in a while I get on Facebook and oh, I just finished Tiger King. What should I watch? Skin, <laughs> a history of nudity in the movies. Uh, Mr. Skin does a great job. His knowledge of of uh, the nudity in film over the years has been tremendous. Yes, we have fun with it, but the, in this deal here in the documentary, this is uh, this is real stuff. This is uh, how it how it's evolved, how it stopped, and how it picked up again. And I'm looking forward to watching the whole thing, my man. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. I can't wait to hear what you have to say, and I'm really proud of this, so please check it out. It's awesome. And, of course, MrSkin.com for all your uh, nudity and movie needs. Great 21 years old. You. I'm legal. Happy, yeah. happy, happy birthday to you. Uh, will, will you, uh, I'll steal a page from Howard's book, will you thank me when you accept your Academy Award? <laughs> yes, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's put it this way, if I do get an Academy Award, so yeah. yeah there you go. All right, Paul, yeah. good, look, good luck to you, and I can't wait to check it out. You're awesome, Mike. Thanks. Thank you. Take it easy. It's Mr. Skin. Uh, it's funny because I think anybody who's never seen Mr. Skin should watch it just to see him. And I think you'll be surprised at what a handsome, normal guy normal, he is. Normal, totally, yeah. <laughs> he's got a family. He's got kids. And he's not the creep that you see hiding behind a computer, pressing pause on videos. I mean, he's a businessman. He's a smart dude. Turn that, that little uh, website into something that's been around for 21 years successfully. Yeah, so. it's amazing. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched the documentary yet, but I will. This sounds like something that I would enjoy, and it's a, it's a, 
you know, not just for the boobies. Well, it's interesting because, uh, like we've said a million times, if you do a good documentary on anything, I'm going to yeah. watch it if it's a good documentary. So this will definitely be interesting. But I also I watched a documentary, and I think it was called That Guy, and it was all the different actors that you see all the time, but you oh, don't know their name. And it was great. It, they were interviewing, and they were talking to him, and the one guy was like, yeah. He goes, you have no idea what my name is. Meanwhile, I've been in movies and TV for the last 20 years, and that's all I've done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a lot of actors don't make it and can't make a living off of, you know, they may get one movie or get a TV show, but then they're back to square one, where meanwhile, this guy, you don't even know his name, but he's been doing it and making a, a living doing it for 20 years. I remember when uh, Leno first started going out into the streets to do interviews with yeah. people, and he was actually doing it himself. And he went up to a woman and he said, well, what do you do for a living? And she said, I'm an actress. And I went, she's not an actress. I've never seen her in anything before. And then I thought, no, there's there's a whole bunch of people that make a living out of being an actor and and never achieve, achieve that sort of fame that that you think an actor. Like, that could be your whole life. You can make $100,000, $200,000 a year by just doing bit parts and extra parts and all Rob that Rob Lowe stuff. was on with Joe Rogan, and he said, and he goes, and this is a fact, that only 1% of actors sure. can actually afford to live on what they make acting. Because you think wow. about how many different actors there are, that 1% includes Rob Lowe, George Clooney, all these you know yeah. different people and stuff. But then there's so many people that are actors, but you've never heard of. Yeah. Because they're trying to... actors and stuff. Yeah. People in Moe's movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will tell you, though, Rob Lowe is a perfect example, and uh, so is George Clooney, is that you have to be uh, one of two things. You have to be either extraordinarily good-looking uh, or extremely ugly. There's no in the middle. <laughs> There's no in the middle. And even if you are... In the, middle, you're, in the middle, you're that guy. Yeah. If you're yeah. playing an ugly person, you're probably pretty good-looking, and they dumbed you down. Mm, you know? Could be. Yeah, those odd people have a chance of being an odd character. Uh, fat people have a chance of playing fat characters. But then, for the most part, if you're just an average person, good luck. Yeah, because yeah. think, about, think about you've never seen a movie, okay? But you know what movies are. And then you meet Steve Buscemi, and he says, I'm a movie <laughs> star. And you go, what? You're all eyes and teeth. There's it's, no way you're a movie star. And Steve Buscemi, not a great actor. He's the same character in every movie he's ever played. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Bug out guy. Yeah. You know? uh, Tom Hanks, I think, is the one example of average American. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he's a, he's a decent-looking guy, but not super handsome. Not super handsome, just an average-looking dude. Yeah. And I would say is, uh, Chris Pratt, before he got all Guardians of the Galaxy, had, was, had potential, though. But yeah, he he went, was good-looking. He was funny. He went both sides because yeah. he was just kind of yeah. dumpy guy, whatever, so he wasn't good-looking or anything. He was just kind of dumpy guy, and then he was superhero guy. Yeah. So he's been on both ends of the spectrum. You would have to pick, Spanish. You're going you're gonna to say, am I going to do a couple more sit-ups and be... Uh, ab guy, or am Oof. I going to eat a little bit of uh, too many egg rolls, grow my hair out, and be weird looking guy? Yeah, yeah. be neighbor. You yeah. probably Look have at, a better uh, chance of being weird guy. Being neighbor like Paul Rudd, yeah. Oh. Ethan uh, Ethan Sipley was super fat guy in every yeah. movie. Now he's all slimmed down and ripped muscles. Yeah, yeah and uh, in nothing. Yeah, and yeah. nothing. That's true. Yeah. By the way, have you seen Paul Rudd lately? Yeah, he's gorgeous. No, is he shredded? Uh, gorgeous. He looks great. He's got like a beard and it's all manicured. He looks wow. really good because he's, what, 51, 52, somewhere yeah. around there, I would imagine. But he looks fantastic. Uh, here's a question for you. Yeah? Um, who has been on our show, Crosby, Stills, or Nash? 
Uh, Stephen Stills, I believe. I'll go Crosby. Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not? He's not in there? <laughs> Diesel. <laughs> I'll do Jimmy Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin Nash, Graham Nash has been on the show. Oh, not Stephen Stills. Oh, okay. did I say Stills? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, well, I meant. Okay, who who has been on the show? Ethan Suple, Paul Rudd, or Jason Weaver? I don't know who Jason Weaver is. I know that Ethan Suple has been on, and I'm trying to think of whether Paul Rudd. I think we had Paul Rudd. I know Ethan for sure. And I'm going to say uh, 50-50 on Paul. And the other guy, I don't know who he is. Anyone else? I will also. I will say both Ethan Suple and Paul Rudd have been on the show. That is correct, Spanish. Yeah. Yes. They have both been on the show, and I made up Jason Weaver. Okay. I was going to say. <laughs> well done, sir. I, I the, tried to grab for a third name, and I couldn't. And I'm like, just say something, or it's going to be very obvious <laughs> that person wasn't on the show. <laughs> and I just went, Jason Weaver. Uh, and I don't yes. know who he is, but he's not welcome on this show. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have to take a break. When we come back from that break, my friend Galvin Weaver will have a brand new open letter. I like to be called Dream. I'm sorry. Dream Galvin, the Dream Weaver. Uh, along with his partner, Kevin Stills Nash. <laughs> we'll be back. A brand new open letter is happening next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.